Hello, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Brett's Old Time Radio Show. Welcome to my home here in beautiful Lime Bay. Lola and I, Lola the puppy, of course, my little sprudel puppy. Lola is directly behind me, curled up on her little bed, on her little beanbag. So the two of us are here. I just wanted to make you aware that we were both here. I'm Brett, she's Lola, and we are your hosts for our nighttime podcast. Welcome to another episode. Thanks for joining us once again for our regular late night visit to those dusty studio archives of old time radio shows right here at my home on the south coast of the United Kingdom. It's chilly today. I've had the heater on in the studio because it's a little bit on the cold side. We had a lovely walk this morning. We dropped William off to school and we had a nice walk around the common. So that was lovely. So we're all good. We're feeling refreshed and uh, ready for the day ahead. I've got Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. They're all called Brett's Old Time Radio Show. If you could follow me, it would be just peachy. Time now for our Wednesday adventure from Rocky Jordan. This one's called Madame Dulac's Daughter, and it was first broadcast on the 12th of February, 1950. Now, Del Monte Foods brings you a world of adventure with Rocky Jordan. Fendi Jordan, Fendi Jordan. Huh? I don't remember us meeting. No, sir, you have not met Fatim, but still we have business. Observe this which is in my hand. Is it real? Oh, most assuredly. One thousand dollar bill, American money. Now watch. I have turned same into two pieces, and the small piece I give to you, the other I keep myself. Oh, you're a magician, and you're going to put the pieces together again. In a way, Fendi Jordan, you are correct. Both pieces can be yours if you will go to see Madame Dulac, 16 Sharia Ramesses II. Why pick on me? Because it is well known in Cairo that you are a man who for money would brave danger. Madame Dulac's home then, as soon as possible. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world, takes you now to the Cafe Tambourine for another adventure with Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient east, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story, Madame Dulac's Daughter. His name was Fatim. He'd stopped me walking through the Muski Bazaar and had given me half of a thousand-dollar bill, American money. He'd said the other half would be mine if I dropped in on a Madame Dulac. Well, for a grand, I figured it was worth looking into and the danger wouldn't begin until I said yes. 16 Sharia Ramsey II was in the high-rent district, a large two-story white building that spelled money. Even before I could ring the bell, the door came open and an eager young girl dressed to leave stood there. Hello. Hello. Now, let me see. Mama hired you to drive the limousine. No. Mama hired you to take her to Karnak. No. Mama hired you to, uh... Oh, of course. That's why. Hamar, someone to see Mama. Yes, Miss Sandra. And Hamar, I'm leaving now. If Mr. Morrow calls, tell him I'll meet him at the track. Goodbye, cutie. Wish me lots of winners. 
You are Mr. Jordan. A Fatim said to expect you. This way, please. Hey, if she goes with a house, I take it. Madame Dulac's daughter by a late marriage. Uh. Eighteen years of age. Anxious to be older. That door, sir. The madame is inside. You may go in. Thanks. The door opened into a bedroom. Madame Dulac's. Pale green walls, mahogany furniture, short on the ornate. Madame Dulac herself was in bed, propped up with a couple of silken pillows. Well, don't stand there in the doorway. There's a draft. I moved to the bed and got a closer look at her. Late 50s, early 60s. White skin, small features, strong chin. Deep-set eyes with a lot of brightness in them. But it was the extra strong light of the candle before it burned out. You have your half of the thousand-dollar bill? The other half is on the table there. It's yours. Just like that. Shall we now talk about a more important matter? Well, for a thousand dollars, I'll talk about anything. You have seen my daughter? I ran into a light breeze in the other room, if that's who you mean. Mr. Jordan, that girl has had everything. Schools in Switzerland, travel around the world, books, art, music. Now the only reading matter she is interested in is the racing form. The only art, how to pick a winner. The only music, the trumpet call, signaling the horses to the post. She's gay, selfish, proud, and obstinate. What she needs and has needed for a long time is a good thrashing. You see this? Thirty-two cold automatic. I found it in her room. She thinks it's cute to have a gun. But that isn't all. The real problem is something else. A man. His name is Edward Merrill. He's an American from San Francisco. She's in love with him, or thinks she is. And he's no good for her. I want you to take her away from him. I know Sandra. I know of you. You were the kind of man who can do it. And that's all? Yes. All right, Madame Dulac, that should handle the prologue. Now, let's get to the truth. The truth? You gave me the G-note for a reason, and a good one. And if I take it, I'm going to earn it. And I think I know how. Want to hear? By all means. All right, we'll start with that daughter of yours. You made her what she is, Madame Dulac, and you like it. You like her flamboyance and her excesses because you'd like to have them yourself. You say she needs a thrashing. You wouldn't take to her backside with a powder puff. So the way I look at it is this. You're not really sore at her. You're worried about her. You think she's in real trouble with this Eddie Marrow, and you want me to get her out. Only that gets me into trouble with Marrow, and I earn that G you gave me right down to the last dime. No thanks. So you were going to turn your back on this... on this involvement of my daughter with Tony Bristol? Tony Bristol? Edward Marrow's real name. You know him and had some involvement with him yourself in the United States. This I found out before I had you summoned to me. Yeah, sure, I know him. Tried to run me out of business in San Francisco. I still owe him something. You can see the wisdom, Mr. Jordan, of my selecting you. You will help me, then. Yeah, we'll see. You will find him at the Cairo racetrack. He has a special box. Sandra will be with him. Thanks. Well, it figured to be worth looking into. Twenty minutes later, I was making my way through the jockey club at the track looking for Eddie Marrow's box. I found it with no trouble. Sandra was there, looking at the end of a race through binoculars. Eddie was there, and so was Eddie's right-hand man from San Francisco, a guy called King. Shark. Happy Pride and Harem King, and it's a photo finish. Hey, Eddie, look who's here. Yeah, Shark. Well, well, Jordan, it's like old times. Tell me, Eddie, which horse, horse did we have? Yeah, the winner, baby. But it's a photo finish, darling. Well, look who's here. Hello, cute stuff. Oh, you two met? Yeah, that's right. Her mother's house earlier today. Uh-huh. You're awfully nice. What's your name? His name's Jordan, but he's an also-ran, and don't forget it. Well, now that I get a better look at him, I don't like him. He looks too moral to me. We've got some unfinished business from San Francisco, Eddie. 
We're going to take it up here? <laughs> I'm not sore, Jordan. The old days are behind me. I'm in Cairo to have fun. And you have got a deal on. It's the only way you've ever had fun. He's got some use for you, Sandra. And it's something you're not going to like. Of course he's got some use for me. And I am going to like it. He loves me, Mr. Jordan. We're going to be married. Does your mother know? We're going to elope as soon as the meet closes and surprise him. Result of the third race. The winner... Harem King. Here's the win Please. to Cassandra. Go Happy cash it, baby. Bride. You did have Harem King. Fifty pounds at 11 to 1. Oh, Not bad. <laughs> Four wins yesterday, three the day before. I'll be right back. <laughs> Picking a lot of winners, huh, Eddie? <laughs> oh, enough. Now go on, beat it, Jordan. You're not wanted. What do you figure's making you so lucky? Sunspots. Or maybe a system. I'd like to hear about it. Next time that fist goes right through you, Jordan. Blow. Yeah, I'm going, Shark. One thing more, Eddie. Whatever happened to Eunice? Huh? Last time I knew you, you were good and married Leave to Eunice her. out of this, Jordan. I just thought I'd ask. She was a nice kid. Had a lot of love for you. Listen, wise guy. You keep pressing me like this, and you're going to end up horizontal. Now beat it. Well, something was up. That was clear. And I was struck by the way Eddie reacted when I mentioned Eunice. She'd always been a big love of his. As I left the jockey club, my mind began to form a picture of her. Tall, slim girl, not too smart, but a dame with a kind of strange appeal. Then suddenly my eyes were telling my mind something else. They were telling me that standing by the cab stand, tall and slim, dark glasses covering her eyes, net veil covering her face was the woman in question. I moved up fast and grabbed her arm. What? Does uh, Eddie know you're at the track, you know? Huh? I don't know you. Raise the glasses. Rocky Jordan, San Francisco, remember? Oh. Eddie, or Tony Bristol, if you like, and I, were just talking about you. Does he know I'm in town? Does he know I'm here, Rocky? Come on. Get in the cab, Eunice. Uh, drive it around, cabbie. What's Eddie doing in Cairo, Eunice? He's making a pile off the races. How? I don't know what he's doing. You can fix one race, maybe, but you can't fix four one day, three the day before, and I don't know how many before that. What's his angle? Oh, that's a nice wedding ring you're wearing. I like it. You and Eddie still married? Why shouldn't we be? And what's that song and dance he gave me about marrying Sandra Dulac as soon as the meet's over? I don't know. Can't marry her after the meet unless he wants to play with bigamy. Even Eddie's too smart for that. So Sandra's getting a ride. That's her problem. What's it all about? How does it tie in with Eddie's big winnings? 342 Sharia King George driver. I got nothing to say to you, Rocky. Yeah, all right, I'll work it out another way. Where's Eddie staying? Hotel North Africa. Oh, uh, pull up, cabbie. I'll get out here. Rocky. What? Don't tell Eddie I'm in town. Please don't, Rocky. No matter what. Why? It won't be good for me. That's why. At night, I dropped in on the cocktail lounge at the Hotel North Africa. See if I could pick up any stray bits of information. All I got for my pains was a big bar bill. But passing by the main desk on the way out of the hotel, I ran into luck. A little guy, double-breasted suit, gray suede gloves, racing form under his arm, was having words with a desk clerk. Good evening. I would like to leave this package for Mr. Morrow. Of course, Mr. Kramer. And uh, I believe Mr. Morrow has left an envelope for me once again? Oh, yes, sir. Here it is, sir. Good. Thank you, young man. Good night. Kramer slipped the envelope from Morrow into his inside coat pocket and left the hotel. I followed Half a block down the street, under the glare of a street lamp, he stopped, took the envelope out of his pocket, and removed the contents. 
A pack of Egyptian pound notes. That's when I moved up to him fast. Uh, the light, mister? Eh? Oh, yes, of course. Here, I have a lighter. Your uh, cigarette is lit. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, good night. Just a minute, Kramer. We have met? I understand you've got a great way to beat the horses. Who are you, young man? Why should that matter? Just say I'm right. You have got a way to beat the horses. All it takes is a guy like Eddie Marrow and a young girl. Say, uh, Sandra Dulac. Really? That money you got there. Track winnings. I do not believe I know what you are talking about. Now, uh, good night, young man. He put the money into his pocket and walked away. I started to follow, but I didn't get three steps. Bad manners to follow strangers, Jordan, unless they're women. Oh, shark. That's when my conversation stopped. Shark's fist steamed down at the right side of my jaw, and my eyes began looking at each other. It swung again, I was rolling in the gutter. By the time I picked myself up, Shark was gone. But what was more important, the little guy named Kramer was gone, too. And with him went the secret of how he was beating the horses. How he and Eddie Marrow were using Madame Dulac's daughter, Sandra. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. It's usually true when you have roast on Sunday, there'll be leftovers on Monday and maybe Tuesday and Wednesday, too. And here's something else that's true, Larry. There's nothing that livens up the flavor of leftover meats or cold meats anytime like Del Monte catsup. That's because Del Monte catsup is such a zesty, lively catsup. A catsup that really gives other foods a great big lift. And what's more, I've noticed Del Monte catsup has the kind of spiced tomato flavor men folks want. A kind of flavor that's a real friend to plain foods. And speaking of friends, vine-ripe red tomatoes and fragrant spices never had such a friend in catsup as that marvelous pineapple vinegar Del Monte uses. It's extra fine to coax out extra flavor. Believe me, the way pineapple vinegar brings out rich, tangy, spiced tomato goodness is a pleasure to taste. And this wonderful vinegar is exclusive with Del Monte. No other catsup has it. Well, I know that thousands and thousands of women out here in the West wouldn't think of buying any other brand. They like Del Monte flavor, and they like Del Monte's economical price. So remember, for the zestiest, liveliest catsup ever, be sure your next bottle is Del Monte catsup. And now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, Madame Dulac's Daughter. Well, it all began when Madame Dulac wanted her daughter Sandra out of trouble. Trouble being a little concoction mixed by Eddie Marrow, the ingredients of which still remained unknown. But little man Kramer, who had the pleasant task of picking up envelopes stuffed with money, seemed worth talking to. Talk one was a failure. It ended up with me in the gutter and Kramer flying the coop. But I got another chance the next day at the races. I found him in the grandstand, adding figures in a small book. Ah, oh, having a big day, Kramer? Hmm? Oh, the young man from last evening. Hmm. You know, I've been thinking about what you said to me last night. Oh, good. But uh, I still do not understand what you mean. If you'd have stuck around a little longer, I'd have been more blunt. Well, feel free now to express yourself. 
What was in that package you left for Eddie Merrill at the desk at the Hotel North Africa? Books. Books, young man. I'm a book dealer. I have a shop in the Sultana Square. And that envelope Eddie Merrill left for you with the money. Payment for the books. It must come pretty high. Eddie Merrill's envelope to you had at least 500 pounds in it. Rare books. Tell me, young man, where did you ever get the idea I know how to beat the horses? Now, let's say a birdie told me, huh? Female. Horses are now entering the track for the fifth Wait, race. Wait, where are you going, young man? The race is To do about... some checking up on you. My first name is Carl. That should make it easier for you. Oh, thanks. And uh, please, if you discover that I'm doing something criminal, inform me. I should be most delighted to know. Kramer was like glass, but he was worth checking. I spent three hours at it and got nothing. That's when I decided to visit Eddie Merrill's wife, Eunice. 342 Sharia King George was a duplex stuck next to a vacant lot. Eunice's place was the lower. I rapped on the door. I should have stayed in bed. The shots came from inside her apartment. I shook at the door, but it was locked, so I kicked it in. There on the floor in the living room lay Eunice, real dead. That's when I heard the sound of a large automobile pulling away. I moved to the back window and looked out. I didn't see the automobile, but I did see something else. A female figure scurrying down the sidewalk away from the house. It was Madame Dulac herself. And for her age, she was running in high gear. Well, I took out after her and just about a block later, grabbed the back of her coat. Oh, all right, all right. Slow down. Oh, it's you, Mr. Jordan. I didn't know who was following me. Give me your purse, Madame Dulac. My purse? You heard me. What are you looking for? Yes. 32 Colt Automatic. I thought you said it was Sandra's gun. To me, like it's yours. Eh, clip's empty now. Empty clip and a dead Eunice. What does that add up to, Madame Dulac? Perhaps you will tell me, Mr. Jordan. Yeah, a better job of telling will come from Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police. Come on. To the police station, I presume. Anxious? It's cold out here in the street. We might as well be where it's warm. Just a minute. Who was in the car I heard pull away? Car? There was no car. Well, that's a lie. Tell me something, Madame Dulac. What's your first name? My first name? But why? It's Olga. Uh-huh. Come on, Madame Dulac. We're not going to the police station. We're going to your house. You are changeable, Mr. Jordan. Would you please tell me why? Sure. The initials on this gun are not O.D. for Olga Dulac. They're S.D. for Sandra Dulac. It's Sandra's gun, after all. I'll give you two to one. It was she who drove away in that car. I'll give you three to one. You're trying to cover up for her. Taking me up on her? I thought not. Come on, let's go talk to Sandra. All right, Mr. Jordan, what you say is true. Mama is trying to protect me, but she has no reason to. What does that mean? I didn't kill Eunice like you seem to think. Yes, I was at her house talking to her. After I left, I heard shots. That's when Mama drove up in the limousine, assumed I'd fired the gun, took it from me and made me drive away in the car. That is true, Mr. Jordan. There are no bullets in the gun. How do you explain that? It's never had any bullets in it. I've never even fired a gun in my life. You use it as a paperweight. Oh, I don't. I just carry it because it looks good. And... Like a mink case, huh? I didn't kill her. How would anyone know if you ever told the truth? You know, to some people, it also looks good to tell a lot of clever lies. Whether you're lying or not, ballistics will tell the truth. Well, maybe it'll prove I did do it. I don't know. I'm all mixed up. 
Yeah, all right. Let's table that for a while. Tell me something else. How does Eddie Marrow's racetrack deal work? He's got a system. He's lucky. Oh, sure. All I know is that three or four times a day I cash winning tickets for him. And what about him? How many does he cash? None. I cash them all. I like to. Or at least I used to like to. And you like to buy the tickets, too? He buys them. What about Carl Kramer? How does he fit? Who? Carl Kramer. I don't know him. Oh, stop it, will you? I can't even think anymore. Let her alone, please, Mr. Jordan. She is very tired. And Eunice is very dead. Sandra, what did Eddie ever tell you about Eunice? Nothing. And how'd you know about her? Why were you at her place? I overheard Eddie and Shark talking about her. I, I, I went... saw her yesterday. She said Eddie didn't know she was in town and she was scared he'd find out. Yes, he found out she was in town. Madame Dulac. Yes, Emma. Captain Sapaya of the police is on the phone. He wishes to talk to Miss Sandra. About the murder, no doubt. What shall I do, Mr. Jordan? Well, suddenly, Eddie Marrow's a better bet. I'll talk to Sabaya, Madame Dulac. Thank you, Mr. Jordan. This way, sir. Hello, Sam. Jordan, I did not expect to hear your voice. Yeah, I know. I wanted to speak to Sandra Dulac or her mother about a very important matter. Eddie Marrow's wife was shot to death in her apartment this evening. One of three people seems to be the guilty one. Three? But Madame Dulac and Sandra were seen in the vicinity of the crime. Oh, I can vouch for them, Sam. Look at that third person. He looks like it to me. Indeed. Jordan, the third person, identified by three irreproachable witnesses, is you. Me? So I suggest you come to headquarters immediately, or I shall have to send some men to apprehend you. Oh, uh, sorry, Sam. Maybe you better be looking for number four. That's what I'm going to be doing. Fifteen minutes later, I told the chambermaid on the third floor of the Hotel North Africa that I was Mr. Marrow's brother. Would she please let me into the room? She would and did. Inside, the first thing I looked for were the books from Carl Kramer. There were a half a dozen in the room, plain, ordinary books. I felt real disappointed, like a pickpocket in a nudist colony. But it wasn't over yet. I got an idea I ought to tear the covers off, which I did. Book five made it worth the effort. Lodged in between the cardboards of the cover were racetrack wind tickets. Fifty-pound wind tickets on every horse in the third race. Didn't make any sense to me. Then I saw the date on the tickets. The day after tomorrow. And suddenly, it all made a lot of sense. I knew Marrow and Kramer's secret of the surefire way to beat the horses. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. The good old summertime is still a long way off, but if you'd like a preview of it right now, I can't think of a better way than to suggest that you try a nice big glass of Del Monte tomato juice. That's a good suggestion, Larry. Del Monte tomato juice is so natural tasting, you could close your eyes and imagine yourself in the middle of August eating sunny, warm tomatoes right off the vine. Del Monte certainly has captured the genuine article in fresh-tasting, natural-tasting tomato flavor. No two ways about that. It's so truly refreshing, one would almost think that the man who invented the word appetizer had Del Monte tomato juice in mind. Well, I know that for making appetites sit up and take notice, you just can't do better than Del Monte's fresh, tempting flavor. And that goes for morning, noon, or night. It's a downright satisfying between-meal drink, too. 
So why not enjoy this fresh-tasting, natural-tasting tomato flavor often? So good for everybody. Buy several cans of Del Monte tomato juice next time you're shopping and see how fine it tastes. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. I was standing in Eddie Marrow's hotel room, the win tickets for the day after tomorrow in my hand. Marrow and Kramer's secret, how to beat the horses the surefire way, wasn't their secret alone anymore. Well, Jordan, this saves me the trouble of going out looking for you. Just brushing up a little of my reading, Eddie. I know how you beat the horses. Real foolproof. Except it's somewhat illegal. So's murder. You were counterfeiting win tickets. Kramer made up the batch ahead of time. A counterfeit win ticket for every horse in the race. No matter which horse won, you won. And Sandra fronted for you. She cashed the phony tickets and never knew. I don't want to talk about that. There's something else between us. Yeah, I guess there is. Eunice. You got an alibi? A real good one. I loved her. Is that what gave her the shakes? She knew I wanted her away from Cairo until the job was done. She knew that if I knew she was in town, I'd have slapped her around and sent her home. Yeah, I guess that's one way to show love. It's my way. Well, that alibi won't stand up in court. This one will. Both Shock and I were in the bar at the Hotel North Africa at the time Eunice was killed. And the house stick and six other people can prove it. Yeah. Guess I made a mistake. You sure did. The police say you were there when Eunice was killed. Do they? Were you there by yourself? Look, you got revenge in the brain, Eddie. It's not gonna I'm going to get... even up Eunice's killing. Were you there alone, Jordan? He's off, Eddie. Your fuse is going to pop. Don't get nervous. You didn't kill her, Jordan. You had no reason. But someone else did. Someone you're covering for. And her name is Sandra Dulac. Eddie was half crazy with the idea of revenge. He turned and bolted for the door to find Sandra, and I moved to stop him. I grabbed him as he opened the door and pulled him back into the room. That didn't cool him any. He swung from the floor and put me on the side of the face, and it began. He was thrown with all his strength. And when he picked up a heavy ashtray and started hitting me with that, I began to hear bells. It was the phone. Only Eddie wasn't paying any attention. He was real busy. I was trying to keep him busy. Then when he lifted a marble book in and went for my head, I figured it was time to put a stop to the fun. I threw a right full into his face, stumbled backwards, rolled over the telephone table, and slumped to the floor. The phone went down with him, and the receiver came off the hook. Eddie, it's Shark. I got a bullet in me. Listen. What is it, Shark? Kramer, Eddie, Kramer. What about him, Shark? What about Kramer? Hang up the telephone, young man. I shall tell you about myself firsthand. I don't think you have to, Kramer. I know already. You killed Eunice. Because she never wanted Eddie in a deal with you. You were afraid she'd tip the scheme. I had no other cause but to shoot her. Even at the time she was preparing to telephone the police, I found her standing by the telephone. Just as you are now. Now it's my turn, huh? It seems so, young man. No, Kramer. It's your turn. Eddie. All right, Eddie. You squared things. Yeah. I guess you and I are even up to... Give me the gun. It's no good to anyone anymore. There. You want to phone Sabaya? Or shall I? I'll do it, Rocky. It's all over for me now. Anyway. <laughs> 
Well, Sam took over. His men turned up Shark in Kramer's hotel room, still alive, and he was carted over to the police hospital. I went over to Madame Dulac's house and filled her and Sandra in on the details. Sandra was cleared. Madame Dulac got her daughter back, ruffled but wiser. Me? I've still got a problem. Remember the two halves of the $1,000 bill? Anybody got a piece of scotch tape? For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and tomato juice. And Del Monte whole peeled tomatoes. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jane of Eloise, Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell, with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arunt. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station, and the story is paid in full. If it's gay summer flavor you want in a quick dessert or salad, serve Del Monte Fruit Cocktail. It's ready cut and ready mixed. A real flavor treat. So good and so good looking. Ask for Del Monte Fruit Cocktail. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed our latest adventure with Rocky Jordan. And don't forget, we'll be back with those Texas Rangers going live at 5 p.m. GMT tomorrow. As I mentioned earlier, we've got a supporter page, patreon.com forward slash Brett's Old Time Radio Show. If you could check them out. Oh, well, that would be brilliant. Thanks for listening. I'll be with you seven days a week, each and every week, and I'll see you tomorrow on Brett's Old Time Radio Show. Love you. Bye. <laughs>